testimony I'd like to share. Think about God leaning, and when you're leaning on Him and He's leading your life, and He just, you can look back and see ways that He's done that. Does anybody have anything like that comes to mind, Brian? Well, praise the Lord. That's really great. You know, and, you know, we worry about, you know, what, you know, my kids, what are they going to do? You know, and we're, we're worried about getting them jobs and finding the right place for them. And what is, what is God's will for their life? You know, and all those things that as a parent, you know, I'm thinking about. But God does direct and he does guide and we can pray. And, uh, you know, he works. He works things out. All right, well, let's sing through uh, number 52, To God Be the Glory. And it was a long time in coming before I truly accepted him, even though I was brought up in a, you know, a Christian home. Um, I trusted in baptism for a long time. You know, I was baptized when I was a baby, and I thought that that was a thing. And, uh, you know, we went to a Lutheran church, and then my parents uh, changed to a Baptist church when I was a teenager. And we kind of went through this, I went through this confirmation classes in a Lutheran church, and I was so confused because I was going to a Baptist school, a Christian school, being taught about salvation one way, and then salvation is, wait a minute, is it through baptism or is it not through baptism? And uh, has anybody else in here been baptized more than one time? Other than me? 
Did you how many times? Okay, so twice. I was, uh, yeah, how many? Two times, charity. Wait, were you baptized when you were a baby? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's just, you know, and, uh, for me it was three times. <laughs> yeah, I was baptized when I was a baby. Then my, my family joined the Baptist church and our whole family got baptized and I professed salvation and it was, I just didn't know for sure, but I said yes anyway. And then, uh, then I was baptized after her. I accepted Christ when I was 15. So, all right, let's sing our last song. What's the, what's the last one we got? It, we're on it? Oh, okay, trust in Jesus. All right, 613. Sin,
There you go. Okay. So uh, Joey took off and he got soaked and I waited about three minutes and it stopped raining. And so I walked over and said, hey, Joey, good to see you. And then uh, Miss Leslie came in and I said, okay, I got to go over. And I said, hopefully I can stay dry. And Leslie, she had come in late because she got, just got off work and she said, good luck. It's pouring out there because she had just come in with an umbrella. And I opened the door and it stopped raining. <laughs> See you later. I took off. So I actually stayed dry anyway, so I'm not bragging. I'm just sharing facts. <laughs> it was a joy. So anyway, uh, if you would uh, remember, of course, we have the Mikhailsowitz wedding coming up, and that's why there's some people here you don't know, and that's uh, you need to make sure that you meet them. Uh, pray for the Iwana meeting that's going on over there with the leaders. There's a kids meeting uh, with the, some of our young adults group are doing the kids meeting tonight so that the Iwana leaders can meet. And... The teenagers meeting their first time with David, so if you would, you know, pray for them. Pastor Andrew got his truck loaded today. Uh, we got him finally finished up. It's right about 3.30 or so, 4 o'clock, and it started sprinkling, and, but we got them all done before the rain came, so we got him ready to go. They're leaving out first thing tomorrow morning. He's preaching at his dad's church tonight, so that's why he's not here, and quite honestly, Emotionally, they're kind of done saying goodbye. It's like, okay, let's. We've already said our goodbyes, and uh, so they, he's preaching over there. And they're leaving first thing in the morning for Minnesota. So pray for them for traveling mercies. They're pulling one of the cars behind the 26-foot truck, and then uh, Jessica's dr- driving the Telluride. And so just uh, you know, just pray for them as they have traveling mercies to uh, get up there. Uh, let's see, so then there's a 50th anniversary celebration for the Pattersons this Saturday, so the wedding Friday, then the Pattersons on Saturday, uh, here it's an open house type of situation, right, so uh, in the afternoon, so feel free to uh, stop by and celebrate with the Pattersons on 50 years, congratulations. Melody and I celebrated 36 years yesterday, and uh, so it's been a busy week, and it's been true for our whole ministry, I'm not asking you to feel sorry for us, sometimes the ice cream social has fallen on our anniversary. It's like, it is what it is. Uh, so it's just a busy time. But we did get to go to brunch together yesterday. And I'm going to tell you about our brunch because it's a good place to go. Uh, up in Irvington, there's a, a new bakery called Landlocked Bakery. Anybody ever heard of Landlocked Bakery? You need to go to Landlocked Bakery. Now, it's a little pricey. It's going to be like 12 bucks for a BLT. But the BLT is going to be this big. And it has yum yum sauce on it on homemade uh is it facio facio bread what's that bread called that kind of bread anyway whatever it is hands down absolutely delicious they have we got avocado toast and if you like anything like avocado toast this one is the tops and then melody got i'm not a big chocolate person but she got a chocolate croissant she did let me take a bite of it which I barely got it through my fingers. Ooh, I saved my, she, she devoured. She loved that chocolate croissant. It's huge. So anyway, it was just, it's a wonderful place. You get a chance to go. Uh, and then I got a ginger coffee. I was like, suggest a coffee for me. I drink coffee, you know. And so she said, her first one was pistachio. I'm like, mm, no, I've had pistachio coffee. It's too sweet. She said, ginger coffee. I'm like, hmm, okay. So they took a piece of fresh ginger rimmed it around the edge, dropped it in the, in the coffee with whatever else they put in. I don't know. And it was, it was delicious. I would do ginger coffee every time, except I think that's the only place I've ever been that offered ginger coffee. So I don't know what to tell you. All right. Uh, let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll jump into our study. Father, we love you. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the rain and uh, for the opportunity we have to meet here together and study your word. 
Thank you for the uh, young adults in the class going on. Pray that you'd meet with them as well as they study your word together for the Awana leaders meeting, that they would prepare themselves for the new Awana year, for the kids program that's being uh, met upstairs, and for the teenagers in the teen room to just watch over them as well and just be with David as he uh, takes on that role. And just uh, bless this time that we have together, and we'll thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. No, we have not officially voted on David yet, so they just told you something about David. Uh, so, you know, um, we ask him, I'm being honest, we ask him, what would you do if the church says no? He says, well, I'm already on the youth staff. I guess I would just teach. Good answer, right? Good answer. That's exactly what we're looking for. Anyway, all right, so we're going to continue our study. This is the book, Side by Side, and I don't have them, them in yet. They were supposed to actually come in today, but, you know, it's Amazon, so what can you say? They might come in at midnight today, you know, but it's, it is what it is. Uh, it, this guy, I told you already, he's not an independent fundamental Baptist. You're not going to agree with everything that's in this book, but he's going to challenge you in the way you think about the community of God right here. It's the idea of walking side by side. And the first part of this is kind of an interesting take. Uh, as we're working through, we gave you an introduction to the book last week. And so it's, it, the idea of the book is that all of us are needy people. All of us. There's not a single one of us that can go with this alone. Right? God actually looked. This is an amazing thing, right? As God is, is looking and communing with Adam in the perfect Garden of Eden, God looked at Adam and said, it is not good that man should dwell alone. And gave him a helpmeet. I want you to stop and think about that. That God, God, literally, his plan is that we go through this life not alone, right? That we go through it together. So it's side by side. And then, he, then, when, then when, he, when he brought the church into the picture with the death of Christ and, and the church is born, all of a sudden... Uh, you know, as, as we see God's economy, what God has done is set up a perfect system. It's God's system. He's the one that set it up so that his children can survive this life with the help that he offers. And part of that help is right here in this room, right? It's this book. It's our Bibles. God's, this is the primary, right? It's the Holy Spirit of God that he gives us to empower us and help us here. And it's the church, and we walk side by side. And so that's what this is going to be about. And the first part of this is just, it's unique. And you'll see as we get into it and we kind of work ourselves through it. Is it not working or oop? I don't know what I did. I'm going the wrong direction, apparently. There we go. Okay. Go to that one. No, not that one. Not that one. Go back to the second slide. I'll quit punching it. There you go. Life is hard. Too hard to handle alone. Therefore, this is from the book, this is kind of a quote from the book, we are needy. Now, needy is not a good word. We don't like it, but it's true. Needy meaning that we are not supposed to do this alone, right? Needy in that we all need help from God. Would you agree? We all need help from God, every one of us. That makes us needy people. And by the way, and the help that God offers is right here, the Holy Spirit of God right here, and right here. This is the help that God offers. Our job throughout this is going to be to identify where we need help, go to God for help, and then identify the help that God has given us and figure out how we're going to use it. Because sometimes, guys, guys, I'm talking to us, we're stubborn, we don't like. You know anybody that doesn't like asking for help? You know anybody like that? They may not just be guys, right? But 
we're, we're, this is just us, guys. We don't like asking for help. That's why we don't look at maps. You know, I, I, you know we, we don't stop and read directions. We don't do that. We don't need help. We're guys. We can do this on our own. That's kind of a challenge for us if we're not careful. But yet, God looked at the guy and said, this guy needs help. I'm going to give him some help. And he gave him a help me, the perfect helper in this woman. And so uh, that's, what, that's what we need to handle. So we're going to walk through some things here. And the idea is these are just to kind of stir you up, all right, get you thinking. Where do I find myself needing help? And by the way, that doesn't mean you have to go ask people. Right? We start with asking God. You'll see that. We're going to come to that in just a moment. So one of the things is our health, right? I'm going to just ask some questions, and you can just be transparent, please. How many of you have ever had health problems? Listen to this way. Anybody ever not have a health problem? Any perfectly healthy people out here? Okay. Uh, you know, we've all had health problems, and that's kind of, we're, we're, we're human beings, and that's what we're prone for, right? We're going to have health problems. That makes us there, you know, it's, it's hard to go through this life alone. One of the reasons is because of our health. We all have health issues, and that becomes a challenge. Anybody ever not have conflict with a friend? You've gone through whole, your whole life and never had a conflict with a friend. You get the idea? Now, by the way, you don't, again, you don't have to go see a counselor to fix this problem. God tells you how to fix that problem, right? What do you think the number one way to keep from having conflict or to resolve, not to keep from it, but to resolve conflict with your friend? What do you, mean, what do you think the number one thing you'd have to do? And we may disagree on this, I'm so throw out some ideas. What do you think the number one thing that would be necessary for you to resolve conflict with your friends? Communication, what? Forgiveness, that's the one I was going to say. I would say forgiveness, right? Communication is going to be a big one, right? You've got to actually go start the conversation even, even to get to the forgiveness part. So communication might actually be a, a better one to put in there. We can have different things in mind, but you know, I, guess what? I don't have to go to a counselor to find that. I can say, Lord, what should I do? And God says, here, let me help you. And he's already given us what we ought to do in his word. The Bible says things like this. Uh, if you've offended your brother, go to him. If your brother's offended you, go to him. Guess what? God's kind of already given us an answer, right? So he starts it out that way. Let's get this started. How many times we should, should we forgive our brother if he offends us? Seven times, Lord? Seventy times seven. In, in my opinion, this is my opinion, not the Bible. The Bible is 490 times, 70 times seven, right? I think God, what God was trying to say is, if you're stupid enough to count, then do it at least 490 times. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think the point is that counting isn't the point, right? That was what he was trying to get across to the disciples. It's like, no, not seven times, 70 times seven. You know, why would you stop at seven? And so God's already given us an answer. We need help. Sometimes we can find the, find the help we need really quickly right here. Sometimes we can find the help we need by the Holy Spirit of God that's already reminding us of what we already know from this book. And we just, oh, you know, I need to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we need help, and we, we can find it right in the economy that God has already set up for us. Anybody ever had job or financial issues? <laughs> okay, you get the idea. I mean, we all need help. We all need help. Uh, mechanical breakdowns. Have you ever noticed, since Brother Todd just walked in, you ever notice that your air conditioner your, always runs out when? Hottest day of the year. Or the heat always runs out? I mean, it makes sense, right? Because they're being worked the most during that moment, but that's always when they break down. 
right? The refrigerator always goes out the week of Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, it, it, just, it is what it is, right? We had a wedding for Mia two years ago, and our basement flooded the week of the wedding. Uh, it's never convenient when you have... So, I, you know, what do I do? I mean, what am I supposed to do? do? Am I a needy person? Am I someone that needs help from time to time? Yes, amazingly enough, we typically don't have... Well, I can't say everybody, but most people don't have a problem with calling somebody on a mechanical breakdown. Right? I need help. Now, there's always somebody in the group who's like MacGyver and says, I've got a, you know, I've got a safety pin. I don't need help. And uh, they think they can fix anything. And they try for three weeks, and then they call for help. But anyway, uh, you get the idea. We need, we're, this is what we are. How about this one? Broken promises. Ouch. You ever had a broken promise? Does God give us the help we need to deal with a broken promise? Now, sometimes that help will be found right here. It will. Get in the book, right? The book is, it's the power of God, right? It is. So this is, this is what we need sometimes. Sometimes it's the Holy Spirit comforting us and, and giving us what we need that way. But sometimes we need help outside that. The problem, and here's what we're trying to get to in this first part of it, is to de decide where it is that I have my weaknesses and, and know that we have a God who's offering help and then be willing to take the help that God has offered. For instance, I have, for the last 12 years probably, at least 10 I know, preached from the pulpit. I've said it from our, from our pulpit. My approach to every high school and college guy is that they're struggling with things on the internet. That I just, I just assume it. And every single time I have had a conversation with any one of those you know, high school or college guys, and I've asked, 100%, 100% of the time, it's true. It's true. The problem is that all too often, God is offering help, but they're afraid to take it. Because in order to take help, guess what you have to do? You have to come clean with your problem. And nobody wants to go to mom and dad and say, hey, I've got a problem with the internet. Nobody wants to do that. And so they're missing the help that God has given. It's not that they're not needy. Everybody needs help. Everybody needs help. None of us can go this alone. Not a single one of us. And trying to go alone is actually against the scripture. Right? Without him, I can do nothing. Nothing. You get the idea? And so it's actually going against what God teaches when we try to go it alone. And yet we find ourselves stubbornly holding back because we don't want to admit that we need help. And so we're trying to go it alone. But we have a God who's gracious and offering help constantly. And he's set up a perfect system for it. It's called the church. He set up a perfect system in his word. He set up a perfect system in the Holy Spirit living in us to empower us and, and comfort us and strengthen us and challenge us and you know, convict us and all of those things. So we have the perfect system, but we're, we're missing it. Uh, going up, this is another weird one. I don't really know. How about local violence? So has anybody here ever been robbed? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven, eight of us have been robbed. I actually got robbed. This will make you feel really uncomfortable, right? But just know that it's been about almost 20 years ago now. 
uh, well, no, it's been longer than that because J.D. was about eight. But we got robbed during a church service. Our house was robbed. Our house, look, 75 feet that way, our house was robbed during a church service one time. Now, all they ended up getting was Mia's money. You know, so poor little Mia, she was like five or something. And they took you know, her $40 shed in a piggy bank or whatever. I don't know. But here's what happened. And this is kind of scary. It scared us anyway. Um, it must have been football season. I don't know, but for whatever reason, you know, if you know anything about JD, he, you know, he can focus on laser focus on things, and he wanted to play football, and he wanted to play football. And he had convinced McAllister and Charlton and uh, you know, the Jones boys, and they were all going to go outside and play football, right? So we said to JD, go over to the house and change clothes, and you guys can play football. And we're still here. It's, it's after church on a Sunday night, and we're just kind of fellowshipping with everybody. And J.D. goes over and changes clothes. The kids are outside playing football. Melody and I finally meander over to the house, and we walk in, and there's stuff everywhere. And our initial reaction was, what did those boys do when they came over here? You know, we were frustrated because we thought J.D. had just dumped everything on the floor. And we started realizing that it was actually like, oh, all of that, the contents of that drawer has jumped, jumped out, and that drawer has been emptied. And we began to realize somebody has been in our house going through stuff, looking for money, I guess, and, you know, they don't, that's how little they know about Baptist preachers. But anyway, uh, uh, so there we were. And, and so it'll make you feel good. But that, can, that affects you. It affects you in a lot of ways, right? It can take your peace away and your contentment away. Uh, it can take, you know, your security away. And, but does God offer help? Yes. Sometimes you have to have help. And so you've got to figure out what God's help is. I can deal with my health. In fact, my, my idea of dealing, dealing with my health is just leave me alone. I'm serious, you know. Like, if I get sick, I don't want you to pamper me. Melody doesn't have to go make me something special. She doesn't, I don't want her coming in and bringing me something to drink and something to eat. I just, I go into the room. I'm, when I get to feeling better, I'll come out. And if I don't come out for a couple of days, you might want to check on me. I'm, I'm just, leave me alone. That's, that's just me, right? I, that's my health. But you know what? It's so different when your family's sick. You know, all of a sudden, Melody, you know, a couple of, Three years ago, got cancer, and it's like, that was different. I'm like, you got to get to the doctor. you got to get to the doctor now, right? She, I'm sure she's thinking, do you listen to yourself talking? <laughs> you know? But, I mean, it, it just, it's so different when it's your family's health. Does God offer help when we need it? And, yes, sometimes it's just things in this book, right? Sometimes it's like, take care of your body, right? Don't overeat, don't oversleep, et cetera, et cetera. Just take care of your body. Those things are in the Bible. God's offered us help. Sometimes that help comes in different form. Uh, have you ever felt like you just had too much to do? You know, how about the wedding people? Have you ever felt like you just had too much to do? <laughs> Charity's mom has not stopped since she got here. They, they, she got here literally and said, I said, let me show you the house. She says, no, I want to unload the car and I want to get started on decorating. And so they spent three hours decorating. She says, okay, let's go look at the house. And then they went to look at the house and came back and finished decorating. I mean, you know why? Because the wedding's Friday, that's why. Sometimes you just have too much to do. It's like, wow, it's overwhelming. Does God give us help when life is overwhelming? I don't know. I don't have any idea. Has anybody here ever felt like that you were discriminated against or suffered from some kind of injustice? You ever been falsely accused of something? Okay, that's an injustice, right? Have you ever had to pay a fine that you know in your heart you shouldn't have had to pay, but you paid it just because it was easier to pay the fine than it was to fight City Hall or whatever? You know, or sometimes you 
paid fines because you deserved every single one of them, and that's a different story. Uh, but anyway, uh, so some, does God offer those, the help for those kinds of things? He does. Societal and global issues. This morning on the radio, I was going, coming back from, from uh, teaching at Suburban, and they were saying that we are on the cusp of a global recession. So we've had a recession here in our country already for the last, what, three or four years. We've been suffering, but it's spreading, and a global recession is dangerous because it kind of is reminiscent of the 1930s, which was the Great Depression. And those kinds of, what if that happened? Does God have an answer to his people if the world's economic status falls apart? Does God have an answer to his people for it? And yes, he does. And sometimes that answer is going to be found right here. And sometimes that answer is going to be found in the Holy Spirit doing his work in us and giving us that peace that passes understanding. And sometimes that answer is going to be found right here. Our job is to find out what our needs are and then be willing to accept the help that God has given. And again, we're not trying to, to make a bunch of needy, whining people, right? God's not wanting whiners. He doesn't want us to come to church and say, Oh, life's so bad, please help me. That gets old really fast. You go, go to the Lord first. In fact, let's take a look at the next slide. Look at what, look at what it says. I cried to thee, O Lord, and unto thee, unto the Lord, I made supplications. We go to the Lord first. God, help me. Look how many times in the book of Psalms, you know, David cries out to the Lord. Lord, help me. Uh, remember um, Peter doing wonderful things to the glory of God, walking on water all of a sudden found himself saying, Lord, save me. You know, I mean, this is because we're needy people. And so we turn to the Lord first, and we make sure that the help that God has offered, we're applying. We make sure the help that God has given us within the Holy Spirit, we're accepting the peace that passes understanding, the calm that comes to a soul that's right with God. We accept that. That's our first help, right? But sometimes... We need to actually let God's people do God's work in the church. And it's a challenge for us. We don't like doing it. Uh, but typically, among a group of Christians, there are people who do like helping, right? We do like helping. In fact, you probably know a lot of people who like helping that don't like to get help. And it frustrates you because you want to help them back, and they're always like, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Wait a minute, you know, let's let God help us. He's, uh, he's provided that for us. So this is me trying to replicate a, uh, a thing that's in the book, this, these concentric circles here, uh, working outward to God. And so it's, it's the, the organization of life, and it really is just that. It's just kind of thinking about it. We don't have to organize it. It's organized this way whether we like it or not. All of these things are impacting our hearts, right? Uh, our body is impacting our hearts. Uh, the, the way we think, the way we feel about God, the way we feel about the life that God has called us to, our body is a big part of that, right? If God has called us to the ministry, for instance, I'm a pastor, and all of a sudden I'm struggling with my body, trying just to get up and around and do the things that I feel like I need to do as a pastor, then it begins to impact the way I think about the thing that God has called me to, right? When God has called us to be a dad or a husband, and here we are, and all of a sudden, the, you know, our body is getting in the way of certain things, and here we are, and it becomes a struggle, and that become, it begins to impact our hearts. 
Uh, there's no question that our body is going to have an impact. What, by the way, what's the definition of our heart? What is our heart? What does the Bible mean by our heart? The seat of our emotions, our will, our intellect. All, it's, it's where all of that comes together. It really is hard to kind of define the heart because it's not just one thing, right? It's where all of our, our thoughts and emotions, our will, all kind of come together and, and have a meeting place. That's our heart. And, and all of those things. Uh, think about our will being impacted by our body, right? Because sometimes you have to will yourself to get out of bed. You ever been there? You ever woke up and you just don't feel like getting up? And yet, you know, you've got to because there's things to be done. Or, you know, this isn't the thing before you isn't what you want to do. And your body's screaming, saying, I'm tired. I'm achy. Uh, don't make me do this. But you need to get up and go do it. And so but it's impacting your will. It's impacting your mind. It's impacting your emotions. All of that, that where it comes together, it's impacted by our heart. Our relationships, uh, they're great. We'll, we'll look at all these in a minute, just a little more detail. But uh, they're going to impact my heart. Work meaning your workplace more so than just getting up and doing something, but your workplace uh, is going to be an impact on your heart. Uh, spiritual beings. Now, this is, a, this is a different challenge, right? Are there angels? Are there angels that impact our lives? That's what we don't know, right? I mean, is it possible? Sure. The Bible says, beware, because you might entertain angels unaware, without knowing it, right? without even realizing it. You might actually entertain an angel unaware. So yes, there are. Now, we don't, you know, we don't want to start finding an angel everywhere. Like you know, I was, this morning I was saying, you know, the, if a deer runs out in front of you and you miss the deer, it doesn't necessarily mean that an angel pushed the deer out of the way. right? Having said that, it also doesn't necessarily mean it didn't happen. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, it doesn't mean that that happened. I don't find an angel everywhere, but the point of, of it is that I don't know. That's the point. And the opposite is true, right? Are there demons? Sure. Are, do the demons impact us in some way? I, I, we, don't want to, we don't want to start finding a demon under every rock, right? We don't, we don't want to live in fear as if, you know, there's demons surrounding us all the time. We're supposed to, no, God has not given us a spirit of fear. That makes no sense to us whatsoever. But there are demons. We know that, right? So that's why the Bible says we put on the whole armor of God that we might be able to withstand the wiles of the, oh, of the devil, right? Because we're actually fighting a, a battle against the devil. And so uh, it's true. This is out there. Um, but I, 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 let the, I gloss over that one. He puts that in there, and I'm glad he did, but it doesn't have quite the impact. But encompassing all of it is a holy, righteous God. And everything that happens to us is filtered through God. This is a wonderful thought, right? God, we are in God, and he is in us. And, and this is just a, a wonderful thought. So uh, the whole thing is, is surrounded by what God is doing. So let's take a look at these a little bit more detail. Uh, if you can read the fine print there. So as we look at this life, starting with our heart, and we're going to look at our heart next week, but our body, it's a blessing and it's a curse. Would you agree? Our body's a blessing when we can get up and move around freely. Our body's a blessing when it's working the right way, when I feel good. But the moment that, you know, I've got a broken bone or a bad hip or, uh, 
You know, I mean, it's an amazing thing as we get older, and some of the young people that are here will figure this out eventually, but, you know, I used to be able. I, there was a time when I was your pastor, because I've been your pastor for a long time, I was capable of stepping up to the top of those steps and walking on my hands down those steps. I'd walk down a flight of steps on my hands. Do you know what I can't do today? I, not only can I not walk down a flight of steps, you know what I can't do? I can't stand on my hands. Right? I mean, I could maybe, but it hurts, and I don't want to. And so I don't do it anymore. Your body is a blessing. In the, it's a blessing when you have mobility and, and senses and health, but it's a curse when you have aches and pains and you can't sleep the right way and you wake up with a headache and your eyes don't work like they used to. And you know, it, then it becomes a, a hassle and it, it's a two-edged sword there. You know? And so um, that's going to be an impact. Sometimes, you, need, you, know what I, you know what I've noticed in our church? Maybe some of you sitting right here, you go have something done to the doctor, and the doctor gives you this contraption. It's called a walker. And he says, use this. And we watch you come walking in, refusing to use it. Right? Can you tell me why, please? Say that out loud. Pride. There's really not a lot of other reasons, right? It's like, I don't need that thing. Okay, whatever. God's offering you help. I was always tell you, right? We have a God who's gracious. He offers us help. Use the help that God gives. I'm saying this to you as if I'm going to do this one day. You understand? I, I haven't had opportunity to need a walker yet. And I know my day's coming, and when I need it, you guys will look at me and say, Pastor, you said you should. <laughs> I know. It is what it is. But the thing getting in the way is pride. God's offering us help for those aches and pains. He's offering us help to, to deal with the cursed side of, the ble- of, of our bodies. Uh, we have doctors for a reason, you know, and God, yeah, some of it's right here, right? Like, for instance, a loss of sleep, it's probably like quit drinking coffee till 1030 at night and go to bed at a decent hour and turn the TV off earlier and, you know, keep, right, you can find those kinds of things right here in this book, right? I mean, not exactly the way I'm saying them, but the principles, if applied, God's given you help. Take the help that's been offered. But when you break a bone, I don't care how many verses of Scripture you read, you know, you're not going to find one that tells you how to get past a broken bone. God's given you help. Take the help that God has given. We have a gracious God who offers help. And so our job is to identify our needs and then allow God to give the help that he offers. Uh, our relationships. I love what he says here. This is where we find the best and the worst of life. Would you agree? When relationships are good, life is good. I mean, it's like you can't wait to get together at at Thanksgiving when everybody's getting along. But if something happened in the family and there's that tension, then Thanksgiving is like, a curse, and you're, you would like to avoid it at all costs because it's the best and the worst that life has to offer. And does God give us help in dealing with those things? Does this book say to you how to fix your family that's, uh, that's kind of in a rift? It does. And by the way, if, if this book, how do I say this carefully? 
I'm not going to say if this book isn't enough, because if the one verse that you found isn't enough, then keep looking for the rest of the principles. Because sometimes you need to take someone with you, right? You go to that person first and you talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. And if they don't get right, you don't quit. You take someone with you. Do you understand how this works? And we keep doing. And so sometimes we need the help of that someone that comes with us. That's just a reality of what it means to be human. God looked at man in a perfect garden who was fellowshipping with him and said, it is not good that this man should be alone. And he gave him a help me. Uh, <clears throat> relationships are <clears throat> excuse me, joys and heartaches, hopes and hurts, family and loneliness. Like it or not, we need people. This is all lines from the book. We need people. And the we is God's people. Have you ever realized that God actually established a church for a reason? Now, wait a minute. All I need is Jesus. That's what the song says, right? All I need is Jesus. And that's true. But this Jesus gave us each other. That's what he did. He gave us the church. And he says to us things like, iron sharpens iron. He says, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's what he says, right? So he, that Jesus, who is all we need, right? I understand that, gave us all that we need, and part of what we need is sitting in, in a body of believers like this. And for those of you who are busy, the body of believers that you attend, right? That's where, that's where you find that. We need people. Our work, money, and futility. I like what he says here. Poverty and riches are both good and bad, right? Poverty causes us to need God, and so we, we lean on God.